Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. This morning, um, what I'll be talking about here this morning will emerge from what I'm sharing here right now. So when I was... uh, I grew up in South Africa, as, as you might know, as you can tell, and I grew up in a, a, a very religious upbringing. Um, I'm not going to go into different denominations or, or things like that, it's irrelevant, but the type of upbringing I had was very, uh, you know, suit and tie, you know, you go on Sunday morning, it was, everything was structured, you had your hour service, things like that, um, uh, you know, the rest of the week you just live like you're uh, live like everything else, and uh, on the Sunday we, you looked your best and you dressed your best and you were back in church again, and you did it all over again. Uh, you know, the good thing that it did is it really, you know, taught me a real kind of moral compass, but the church that I was exposed to as a kid was really, there was not really much of, a, shall I say, a, um, a room given for the move of the Holy Spirit, which is what we have here in this church. Amen. Um, and... Um, when I was about 16, no, I think I was about 12, no, yeah, 13 or 14, I remember sitting at a table, and I had been going to church my whole life, but yet I was still questioning the existence of God. And I was wondering, well, how can that be? You know, I've been in church my whole life. You know, I've been around Christians and service, you know, week after week, we were very devout Christians. We would be there, and we had catechism classes, all those things, you know. So I had a, had a real... Uh, um, teaching of what the Word was God all about. I knew all the Sunday stories, but yet I was still questioning the existence of God. I mean, when you're doing that at the age of 13 or 14, you know, uh, you're no longer a spring chicken. You know, something is really amiss. And I remember sitting at this table and there was this orange in front of me. You know, I loved my oranges. And I was, nobody was around. It was a beautiful sunny day. I was sitting at this table. And I said to God, God, if you're real, if you're real right now, you'll, you will peel this You'll peel this orange right in front of me. You can do it, God. You can do it. And you know what happened? Nothing. (laughs) It remained an orange. I had to peel that thing open myself, and it was nice and juicy. It was beautiful. Um, But fast forward, I was was only when I was, uh, I think it was 18, I was in in a church that was, in a sense, even more religious than what I had grew up in. Um, but, it, you know, we had a really awesome, um, spirit-filled uh, leader in the church. Um, and we had this, this, the Nicky Gumbel weekend. Who, who remembers those? I think they still have them, the Alpha courses. So I was 18, and my mum said, you have to come. So I went along. I was the youngest person there. Um, you know, all the other people were kind of, you know, at least twice the, the age that I was. Um, but when it came to the Holy Spirit weekend, because you do all these courses week after week, and you come to the, the, the one of the, the curriculum is towards the end, you come to the Holy Spirit weekend, and uh, the whole goal is that you're, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And this um, youth pastor of mine came to pray with me and said, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to you speak in tongues? And I was like, okay, because I had been, you know, since I had been in New Zealand, I came to New Zealand when I was 16, I had been to some youth camps and things like that, and I was the guy in the back just like, looking, seeing all these young people getting touched by, by God, and I was like, man, man, that looks awesome, you know, why is it not happening to me, you know, uh, all that kind of things, and I just always felt like God was passing me by, and uh, so I would just stand in the back, and my reaction to that was I would just disdain what was going on in the service, because I didn't get what God was, uh, what God was giving to everybody else, 
I kind of went on the defense and I stood in the back and I just took the mickey out of it because really I was just a, a hurt little boy and think, well, if I can't have it, then I'm just going to make a mockery out of it. And I got told off once or twice. Um, um, but this is all me and my, my pre-saved days. Anyway, fast forward. Now I'm at the, um, at the camp and this person's going to pray for me and I'm standing there and he's going to say, no, God's going to touch you right now. I'm standing there and I'm thinking, okay, God, because my whole life I had been living my life for God. I've been trying, like I've been in the flesh, I've been working really hard, you know, I've been re- working really hard to do the right thing, you know, to, to, to uh, not do drugs, all these other things, just all the bad things that, you know, church tells you you, sh- you shouldn't be doing. I was trying really hard. I was really trying hard on my flesh, right? So this guy was going to pray for me and I was just standing there and um, I said to God in my mind, I said, God, this is not a threat, but, you know, if, if nothing happens now, you know, I've, up to this point, I'm 18 years old, next year I'm out of school. You know, my parents don't know where I'm going to be. I'm going to live my life for myself. You know, I'm going to smoke. I'm going to drink. I'm going to do all sorts of things, you know, which I won't name right now because there might be some kids. But that was the kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of vow I made to myself. And, you know, I don't believe that we can ever threaten God, but I think God saw the desire of my heart that I was truly came to a place where this was, this was it. Um, and the next minute, so the guy was praying for me. This was a, I wasn't in that, in that state just saying this to God. And the next minute, I just fell on the floor and I started rolling around laughing. I was like, ah, this is so great. Ah, what's going on? And all these people were looking at me because I think I was the only person that was getting touched at that time. And all these people were like, friend? And my mum, who was the only representative of my family there, was like, she thought I was having a nervous breakdown. Because, Freddy? Freddy? And, and the guy that was praying for me was like, no, it's okay, God's touching. I was rolling around. It was just the best time of my life. And I was a young 18-year-old boy, very, very introverted, you know, um, you know, wouldn't speak unless spoken to, that kind of thing. Wouldn't give my opinion, that kind of jazz. And I just remember feeling the best feeling I've ever had, you know, in a long, long time, you know, probably since, you know, ever. And I knew from that day that God was real. And I knew that, man, that whenever I, I kind of went through, through patches in my life, but I could always go back to that one moment of like, man, God's real. He is real. He is, he is only, you know, His Holy Spirit is all around us. We can just tap into Him and He can touch us. And it's not just all about the heebie-jeebies. We know that, right? But, you know, the Bible says, do not get drunk and wine, but rather be filled with the Holy yes. Spirit. So there is a cry in every human being to, to kind of, um, you know, just... Just be touched by God. We, we just want something different to what reality sometimes gives us. And, and that's what God does. He gives us His joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. On, yes. And uh, the other time, I had it a few other times, but I remember when we had our twins. Um, Pam was in the hospital and I was packing up because we were still living in our flat and we were about to move to, to our house here in Massey. And we, this was in Waterview. Pam was in the hospital. I think that's how the story goes. Uh, out here in Waitakere. And I went home one day and I was so exhausted. I think I had... Was it? Yeah, it was, it was when, it was the night of you giving birth that you wanted to go see the kids. And, I, you know, Pam went to see, because she just had a C-section, so she was getting up to go and, she's like, I need to go see my babies, you know, because she had just woken up and she was in a bit of a state. And all the nurses were like, no, sit down, you just had open, you know, surgery. And so Pam just, you know, she just faints, like, she just goes, 
in this catatonic state, just falls back, and, I'm, and she just fainted. Everything was okay. But, you know, being the strong husband that I am, we're standing in the corner thinking, I've never seen Pam like this. She's always this rock-solid person. And I was standing in the corner, and I was white, and the, and, the, and the nurse goes, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Next minute, I fell headlong, boom, out, cold, on the floor. Oh, yeah, both down. They're like, she's down, he's down. Honestly. I had it. I had it, the tooth went through my bottom lip for the next two weeks. My lip was as big as you know, Bubba Gump from Shrimp Salad, you know, from Forest. And you know, so and I was, I was, you know, every day I met like eight real estate agents every day, you know, to to, to, to photograph the the houses that they're listing. And every time I had to repeat the same story. Oh yeah, ha, ha, I had a, had my twins last night and all you know two years ago, and that's why it's all big. It was it was it was pretty disgusting. And uh, I went home to pack up and everything. And uh, I remember just being in the shower and you know, uh, or in the bathroom, I should. As shall I say, and the, the joy of the Lord just came upon me, and I just started killing over, just cracking up, because all this craziness was just going around me. I was tired and all that, and, and the joy of the Lord, I was like, wow, God is just so, you know, He's just so divine. He's just amazing. You know, He just touches us. He just knows what we need. And um, that's a bit of my story. The end. Let's do an altar call. Come up. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, I guess the parallel that I want to create here is, is the life of religion that I grew up in versus, you know, the spirit, the, the life of the spirit that God wants to give us. Uh, you know, the Bible says the letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. I wrote down a neat little uh, explanation of what the spirit of, of religion is, if you want to know more. The spirit of religion seeks to essentially leave people disempowered and to bring them into a place where they're left controlled by an underlining pursuit of acceptance within their divine relationship. I know that's very wordy. I thought it was pretty clever when I wrote it down. But what it really means is that when all said and done, when the gas is out of the tank, you know, what do you resort to to keep functioning day by day? Um, it's like the old age scenario of like... Um, you know, the kid who, who, whose father is so busy for them and he doesn't, can't spend time with them. And so what he does is when there is time, all he does is just forks out money on them and says, you know, here's some money, you know, or whatever. Or, or, you know, my dad really just wants to spend time with me when I'm doing good. You know, that's the kind of mindset that people can have in church where it's like, okay, God doesn't really, there's no real grace for me in my life, in my relationship with God. It's really me doing something that's going to please God. And as long as I'm doing something that's going to keep my Father in heaven happy, then everything's okay. So we live this life of, and that's the life of religion that I, that I, that I grew up with, because we never knew, I never knew about the Holy Spirit. I never knew about what the Holy Spirit wants to touch me. The Holy Spirit really wants to come into my world. I thought God's there, I'm here. And the only time I ever hear about the Holy Spirit is when He wants to come down with a big stick and knock me over the head. So I had this, had this uh, uh, understanding of, of the only way that, that, that I could ever engage with God is, is if I was doing something that was making Him happy, if I was pleasing Him. So what religion does is, is that it's an underlying pursuit of acceptance. So that's the spirit of religion that I'm talking about here. Where the alternate to this is living in the revelation and in the freedom with the Holy Spirit. So think about the things that we kind of do all the time that just kind of gets us through the day, um, you know, that just kind of chugs us through. And we can easily fall in this, you know, even the most spiritual person can fall into a religious trap. 
So there was this uh, awesome saying by a man called Howard Thurman. It says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. So if the Spirit gives life and religion doesn't, which one do you want to be? Do you want to pursue a life of intimacy with the Holy Spirit? Or do you want to continue a life of religious, same old thing, humdrum, day in, day after, you know, day after another, doing the same old thing? You know, when I was a kid, I thought that the only way that God could hear my prayers was if I knelt down next to my bed and I had a certain pose that I had. I'm not going to do it now, but I was on my knees and something like this. And that was the, the mentality that, that I had, was the only way that God could hear my prayers is if I was doing this. And, and I, I, I love the day when I had the revelation of like, you know what, I can just walk and talk to God. I can just lie on my bed and talk to Him. You know, it's not, hey, I'm just going to get lazy about it, but it's like, you know, God is always listening. You know, if, as long as I can speak from my heart, He's always listening. So if we, if we as people feel there is, an, there is a requirement to walk towards a certain structure or pattern, we limit our God-given freedom to express what He, he has made us. So what I mean by that is, is that if religion is a bunch of rules that you feel you have to adhere by, are you really living the life that, you, that God wants you to live? Are you really living a life of freedom? Because what freedom says is that you can go out and you are free to make mistakes. Not free to go out and sin and, and go after cheap grace, but you are free to make mistakes. Where religion will say is, if you make a mistake, that's not good. As, as soon as you make a mistake, you're in trouble. As soon as you mess up or, or, or do something that displeases me, there's rejection there. That's what religion teaches us. Now, I just have to preface this. I'm talking about the spirit of religion. I'm not, not talking about religion as in, you know, Christianity as a religion and things like that. Um, I want to just make it clear that I'm not bagging religion. I'm bagging the spirit that's behind religion that causes people to be confined and be contained. Okay, are we on the same page here? So if you look at the word religion in James 1.27, I'm not going to read it, but it's the Hebrew, uh, the Greek word, which is threskia, which literally means external, that which consists of ceremonies, religious discipline. The spirit of religion is a man-made effort that utilizes works to please God. See, if you, don't, if you don't know someone, if you don't know the heart of someone, what are you going to do? You automatically just do what you think is going to bring acceptance towards them. It's like, you know, um, yeah, like I said before, it's, 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 how do I explain this? If you always, if you don't know the heart of the person that loves you the most, and you don't know that they love you unconditionally, you're going to constantly try and to work for their approval. True. Right? And that's why that well-known story or scripture about, um, you know, when Jesus was, was getting baptized, you know, God said to him, this is my son in whom, whom I'm well pleased. So he affirmed him before he started his ministry. So nothing that he did from after that came out of a place of, hey, I'm trying to please God. It wasn't a religious duty for him. It all came from, hey, I know my daddy God and he approves with me. I'm free to make mistakes here. So Hosea 6.6 6 says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. I'll read that again. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, 
and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So this is God saying, you know what? I'd rather have your heart than you just feel like you just got to sacrifice something because you feel like you're messing up all the time. And I'd rather have the knowledge of God. I'd rather have intimacy with you than you having to do all these religious duties, burnt offerings. You know, why is it as parents that maybe they do it differently now, but you know, why is it as parents we always feel like we need to correct our children's external behavior and not their internal thought patterns? Don't do that. Sit still. Look like this. Look like that. You know, stand up straight. You're in church. Be quiet. You're not allowed to make a peep. You know what I mean? Rather than say, hey, what's going on in your heart here? Let's change that heart attitude here. So we're even taught in our culture that, you know, we've got to, you've got to condition the exterior. Because that's what everybody sees. As long as you look good on the outside, it's all sweet as. But really, like, let's look at the heart. Look at your, your children or your child, whoever it is that you feel like you can speak into. Say, hey, man, what's really going on here? Let's talk about the condition of that. Let's talk about your attitude towards this, this event or this thing that's coming up. Because if we can target that, then everything else is going to flow. Everything like that. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome. But if you just feel like you've got, you have to condition the outside, on the inside, you'll be like, Ugh, Ugh. You know, it's like that story where, um, I think you guys might know the story where the... Uh, the, the, the little kid in the, in, the, in the classroom was told, was standing up, he was angry or something, I don't know the story, and the teacher said, sit down. And he said, okay, I'll sit down, but on the inside I'm standing up. <laughs> but that's not what we want to replicate, amen? No, we want God to let it, you know, to let him in, sorry. Another scripture, Micah 6, 6. I'll go to chapter 8. Thanks, Sue. I'm a G. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The previous ones. With what shall I come before the Lord, and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? So He's saying, you know, what shall I do? What shall I do in the exterior? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, or Hail Marys? Blessed are thou. Or with 10,000 rivers of olive oil, shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Now he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. So God's saying, this is what's good. And what does the Lord require of all of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So... Religion can be this, this, this walk of condemnation, right? Because you, you're either feeling like if you're doing really good, then you feel like in pride, like I'm good, you know, I'm, I'm good. But if you don't feel like you're doing good, what's the opposite of that? You feel condemned, like, oh man. And uh, so here I want to talk a little bit about the grace of God. Now the grace of God is the empowerment. This is what John Bevere said. He said, grace... Is not just the cover up. You know that cover up where it's like, oh, you've messed up yesterday, so God's just going to cover it with His grace. That's one. That's 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 one aspect maybe. But the grace is the empowerment for us to do what truth or His word says, and what His word demands of us to move forward in life. So how do I get this grace? And I got some notes from James, so I have to appreciate him for that. 
Um, you know, God's grace is free, amen? And it is the heart of our faith. If we don't have grace, if we don't have an understanding of grace, then how are we pursuing our God? How are you acting out your faith in Him? If we don't know that He's come for us and you know, He's died on the cross and He's died for everything that you've done, not just for your past sins, but grace being an enablement for you to do all the things that God wants you to do in the earth. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. If we are in a pursuit of a relationship with Him, we will know His grace. So, going back to that, that other story, you know, with, um, you know, picture this, you have a little child and maybe his, his dad is not around or whatever. So every time the dad does spend time with this little child, doesn't have much time, so he just gives this person gifts or whatever, you know, and there's no real intimacy. Or maybe it, there's this, this child feels like the only time that this, this, this parent ever wants to spend time with, with this person is when he's doing really good. But what if the child knew that my, that my daddy loves me no matter what, that even if I do mess up, that's okay? You know, there's an old story um, by, by Chad Dedman from Bethel where he came from a, from a very legalistic uh, upbringing. And as soon as he walked to Bethel Church, he felt this, this was the first time he walked in. He walked in, he felt this Holy Spirit just move on his back. He just felt like a, you know, the Holy Spirit. And he said to God, what is that? And he said, the Holy Spirit, that's grace. You know, you are free to be who you are in this place. This is the place where if you make mistakes, it's Okay. And if we knew that from our God, if we knew that, you know what, God, I know His grace. I know that if I mess up, I can just keep going on. If you knew that about Him and you were pursuing that grace through intimacy with Him, then you will know that, that he's not, you don't have to feel like you've got to fulfill all these legalistic requirements that you might think that you might normally resort to, right? And what that's going to do more is, is that instead of following a, a preset pattern for your life, you're actually going to become much more courageous in your life. And you're going to step out of ways like, oh man, I, well, since my, my daddy God loves me that much and I know that his grace for me is infinite, maybe I can try something new. Maybe I can do this. And maybe I can, you know, maybe I can go and, and pray for somebody or maybe I can do this because I know that if I mess up, God's there for me. You know, where religion will say, oh, I can't do that because before I do that, it's got to be perfect. You know, or, 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 or you know, I, I dare not mess that up, you know, because there's, I might get frowned upon. You know, I wrote here a little bit about, a little bit about control and containment. You know, I said here, we default to religion as a coping mechanism, as a replacement of walking in His grace or knowing His grace. As long as I keep my God happy, I'm safe. You know, I was, um, when I came to New Zealand, I was about 16 when I came to New Zealand. And the first time this ever hit me was this, 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 this control or this containment, because that's what religion really seeks to do. It seeks to control you. It seeks to put you and hold you in the same place so you can't venture out into the places where God wants you to go. You know what I mean? Like imagine Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, they didn't know about all these laws and things. They just chilled out with God. They just walked 
free as a bird. And, um, and then sin came into the world. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, we still need to understand it. Yeah, you know what? There is a boundary. Like, we don't sin. But if we're constantly living in the fear of sinning, that's not life. That's what religion does. You're constantly living in this fear of sinning. Ugh. So you're constantly just walking around like this. So when I first came to New Zealand, I was, uh, I was 16. And um, I went to this, this, this wonderful um, prep school or, or, or private school. And it was, you know, there was this really 150-year-old culture. It was just, you know, old school. And they had the grass you're not allowed to walk on. In South Africa, if there was grass, everybody would be sitting on it. Here in New Zealand, you just look at it. That's why it's so green. <laughs> and um, we had, uh, each house had the, a house matron, which is, you know, the, the lady that kind of looks after all, all the guys, you know, if, if there's anything. It's like the, the house mum, really. And one day it was her birthday. And so we're all gathered together in this common room and we're going to, you know, we're going to sing for her. So we all, we all sang for her and it was fantastic. And, and, and she was looking at everybody. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. It was all prim and proper. And I said from the back, I was only in the school for like a month. I was like, speech! Like this. And they all went, looked at me, singled me out. I'm like, oh, sorry. I'll just sit down. And... Um, I knew from that day, that's not what you do. <laughs> but I, I do it now all the time. That's a joke now. So I actually got the nickname Speech. And it got so hilarious, they called me Smeech. <laughs> In the end. But, you know, what they did to it, you know, what can, that can do to people, what they did to me is was, it, it kind of told me that, okay, well, I've got to live within certain confines here. If I want to get through this, I've got to adhere to certain rules here. First thing is, you, you know, you don't display any... Any individuality here, and uh, that's what religion can do. You just, you know, you just become a become a little clone. And uh, where Daddy God, He's got a grace for each of you know each and every one of us in this room. You know, He loves you. He knows you're eccentric. He knows when you laugh, you might make funny noises. He, you know, or maybe fart for that matter. I don't know. He knows everybody's completely different. You know. He knows that, you know, when you're home alone and, and you're putting on some worship music, you know, you just go crazy. You jump off couches and things like that, you know. He knows that each and every one of us are completely different and have our own way of doing it. And so we need to be empowered in that. Amen. We need to know that His grace is, is something that we can, that's, that's His grace for us to feel empowered, to, to walk more and more into His freedom and not to draw back, but to advance, to move forward. Amen. Um, yeah, so would you rather have the confines and the, and the containment of religion or would you rather have the spirit of life and relationship and knowing His grace? You'd rather have that, right? You know, I, 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 I don't say many uh, wise things. Uh, my wife can attest to that. But um, one thing I did think of the other day, I thought, that's pretty good, you know. I said... <laughs> this is my, my moment now. <laughs> so you better go, oh. No. Um, I said that, you know, part of you know, our journey with God is, is realizing more and more how much He loves us. And more and more in our relationship with Him, we've got ha- to be revealed to how big His love is. Because yes. every time you mess up or feel like you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, if you can know that, hey, that's okay, His grace can cover that, move on, and I love you through that, that's okay. If you can walk through that and, and you can have bigger revelations of that as you go through life, you're going to take bigger chances. 
You know, obviously we're going to remain and, 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 and we're not going to go out and do f- stupid things. But you're going you, you're to put them to the test. You're like, man, this grace thing, this faith thing works. Like, I'm really going to have faith for some crazy things. Because even if I miss it, you know, at least I'm doing it in the name of Jesus. You know, rather than just trying to play it safe all the time. You know, it's like, you know, when is the day going to come? We're all up the front here dancing crazy, you know, and doing, you know, I love it when, is Terry here today? I love it when Terry comes up to the front, you know, because that, 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 that challenges me. That's like, man, that's awesome. Like the Holy Spirit's moving Terry to be up the front here. And he's moving from that gifting. He's moving from that grace. He's moving from that ability to be free. That might not be your flavor, whatever, but what is? What is the thing that's going to cause you to advance in the world, in church, that people are going to look at and think, wow, that's awesome, that's inspiring? You know, that's what the grace of God is needed for in our lives, so we can go out and we can inspire other people. Not to constantly just feel like we've got to walk around like this, you know, because nobody's going to take notice with that. You're just going to look like everybody else. And then on a Sunday, you might just exercise a little bit of freedom, but then you're going to go home again. You know, so the grace of God is there so we can just shine, shine our light. What is it that God's given you? What are the giftings? What are the, um, the talents, the things that, you know, that you, you can just dream about? You know, dream maker. That's God, by the way. I'm not the dream maker. I wish I was. <laughs> My kids might think that. Let me read something for you. I just put it at the end, but it's Galatians 5.1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again, burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man that who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. So what he's saying, circumcised, is, he's saying if you are still following the the religious patterns that, that, that you've been that, that we sometimes adhere to. So you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we are eagerly await, await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only value that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So, how can you tell the person, a person that has the spirit of religion? Shall I read something to you? You, or I, may be plagued with feelings of never being good enough for God, while the next person may be infected with self-righteousness and false holiness. You, or I, might judge other people by their appearance or race. Judging others is rooted in pride as you view yourself better than. Next one. You try to earn God's love and salvation still. This is not having accepted His grace, His free gift of grace. And you still remain like you still got to work for it. You try to conform the outward holiness without inward transformation. That means, you know, you're looking good on the outside, you brush your teeth and all that, you know, sing hallelujah, do all the lip service, but nothing in here is, is being changed. 
you're not pursuing intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Next one, your closest Christian relationships are based only on ministry activities. Oh, that's a good one. Not having the freedom to be yourself around Christians. You know, I had this. I was in a church, and it was also a spiritual church. And, um, you know, I say that because it's the kind of thing you wouldn't expect. But we had the spirit of religion alive and well. And what ended up having us is that uh, we had a very charismatic leader. And in the end, this person struck such a, had such an, made such an impression on all of us that in the end, rather than seeking God's will for our lives, we ended up seeking this person's will for our lives. So um, we were trapped in this place of control because we felt that in order to, to please God, we had to please this person. And so we were in this place of like control because everything that we wanted to do had to be measured whether or not this person would accept this. Would he think that this is okay, all these leaders? And that's dangerous. That's dangerous when you're living in a place of constantly trying to find a person's approval, whether it be God or whether it be a person that's standing next to you in the room. Because you're constantly thinking about what are the next steps that I should take that's going to make this person happy. Maybe if I do that, he'll be happy, or she'll be happy, or God will be happy. But if I do that, no, I won't do that, because that person might be you know, disapprove of that. There were certain decisions that I felt was genuinely like the move of God that I didn't make, because I felt that certain leaders would say no to that. So that's how, in our mind, people's impression of us can become more important than what God thinks of us. And that's a warped understanding, because... I didn't know God the way I know now. I didn't know His love the way I know now. Do you know what I mean? So are we still doing that? Are we still trying to find the approval? And we can still be looking for approval. It doesn't have to be anybody older than you. It can be somebody younger than you. You know, you're trying to just do what remains you in a place of acceptance. And so what happened was is that I became this ultra-Christian. I was like the man, da, da, da. You know, did all the things, went out preaching and witnessing all of these things. And I didn't know any non-Christian. Like I had no non-Christian friends because as soon as I was around non-Christians, I'd be like, nah, they're just so full of the world. I nah, don't want any of that. You know, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, you know, I don't want any of that rubbing off on me. I was so full of pride. So full of pride because I was doing all these external activities that I thought was bringing me acceptance. And so when I, I was working on a film set and I couldn't handle it because the people were just talking like a bunch of, uh, um, what do you, you know, like a, just like a bunch of hooligans. And I, you know, instead of like me like covering them with, with the grace of God that's, that he's put in me, where I can be a friend to them and not join in with their, the, the stuff that they're doing, but I could be a friend to them and be a real person and love on them and grace them out and just talk to them about the love of God. Instead, what I did was I alienated myself out of pride. And they were over there and I was over here and they thought I was a weirdo. That's the Christian weirdo. So religion makes you a Christian weirdo. That's what it does. I'm not saying go and hang out with the pigs and roll around in the mud with them. You know, you can watch them roll in the mud. You can stand outside the pig pen and you can just laugh and whatever and you can just be there when they get dirty and you can help them up, you know. But if we don't know the grace of God, then we won't be able to be in that place. We can't love on them like that. Okay? Don't get sucked in by, this, by the mess either, I mean. We want to we know God and, and, and stand strong. And, and, and don't put yourself in... It's like the person who just got saved. Don't go be hanging out in nightclubs right after. 
Because you know that you might be getting sucked back into that world. I mean, it's like who's influencing who? I know I'm trotting through this, but don't worry, we're going to land soon. Um, you perform Christian duties, but have no passion or hunger for God. That's another one. If, you've got, if you are struggling with religion in your life, is that you perform Christian duties. You turn up here every week. You set up your, your drum kit and this here. You set up everything here. You set up the, the chairs here. But you really don't have any passion or hunger for God. You're just here, a warm body. This is what it's saying here. I'm just reading. You desire position and honor in the church more than honor from God. I'm not saying there's anybody in the room here, by the way. I'm just reading it, okay? You desire position and honor in the church more than honor from God. Performance mentality. Yeah, so you desire, yeah, but that's a performance mentality, esteeming the praises from man more than that from God. Your identity is rooted in a lifestyle of Christianity instead of in Christ. You know about the truth of Jesus, but not the way of Jesus. You know, I was thinking the other day, I had this revelation. Somebody said to me, you know that Jesus, Jesus would have burped and he would have farted and he would have done all these things. And I was like, no, he couldn't have because he's like without sin, you know. I'm like, yeah, but that's not sinning. I'm like, oh, so that means he was a real person. Yeah. So I think a lot of religious people, even in a day in today, I think if they were hanging out with Jesus just for one day, they'd be like, this is Jesus, you know. But yeah, he, he walked without sin. He didn't sin, but he was still a real person. He still died on the cross for you, you know, and now you can have a relationship with God. But if, man, a lot of, you know, I think if we just hung out with him for one day, we come back a different, different person. <laughs> okay, last one. You project righteousness, but inwardly you're filled with anger and resentment. And I'll just close with one last scripture. Luke 18, 11 to 13. I'm reading from the message version. Sorry if my scriptures were out of order today. This is a story where uh, um, Jesus told his next story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance and looked down their noses at the common people. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax man. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this. Oh God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, crooks, adulterers, or heaven forbid, like this tax man. I fast twice a week and I tithe on all my income. He's looking pretty good, right? Meanwhile, the tax man slumped in the shadows, his face in his hands, not daring to look up. And he said, God, give me mercy. Forgive me. I'm a sinner. So which one of those two people do you think were ready to receive the grace of God? The last one. That's right. So maybe if I could have somebody on the keys here. And we're just going to do some business with God here. I know we're almost at 12 o'clock, but I think this is important stuff. And you can see where I'm going with this. The first altar call I want to make is that if you feel that you're any of those people that I've just described, and there's no shame here, Right? If you feel that any of those things that I read out struck a chord with you, and that's okay because we're all walking through a process, pretty soon I'd like you to come up. And then, you know, I want anybody that's just the rest of us in the room just to humble ourselves and to ask God, you know, in what area of my life have I been substituting intimacy and receiving grace from you 
for living a life of religious pride? And how is it that I have been unknowingly been causing myself to be confined and living a life of a religious confinement rather than stepping out in grace and making your will known, making, making known to the world that, you know what? I'm a Christian, I'm proud of it, and I'm amazing because God's put some amazing things in me. And I'm not afraid to go there with God. I'm not afraid to try new things. I'm not afraid to step out in faith because that's what God's all about, right? His kingdom of heaven is, 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 is ever increasing. You know, it's, it's like, a, it's, it's like a, um, the yeast in the lump. It's always growing and increasing. And that's what we've got to be like. And the last one is, um, you know, just to uh, pursue His grace through His relationship. So uh, 